Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello. Well, Tottenham... They'll do anything to take the limelight off Arsenal, won't they? Uh, Welcome to the first game day preview pod of the Jose Mourinho era at Spurs. Yep, Pochettino's place, pinched by a proven Portuguese Premier League winner. Winner, sorry. Daniel Levy and Jose sounds like a match made in heaven, doesn't it? I'll tell you why I'm so shocked by this once I've got my breath back. Also, Manchester City might be 12 points behind Liverpool come Saturday at 5.30. What are we expecting when Frank takes his squad full of internationals to the Etihad? Arsenal and Southampton are another two clubs under the microscope as they clash at the Emirates. And in a battle of the Uniteds, Oli takes the Red Devils across Snakes Pass to Sheffield. And Norway! Eddie ain't happy as his king is wounded on international duty. This is Game Day from TalkSport. This is Game Day, Premier League preview show. The Prince of Wales, Danny Gabadon, has just about sobered up from Tuesday night's Welsh <laughs> wizardry. Bow was given a flag with Wales, golf, Madrid, in that order. If you were tossed the red dragon, would you probably have one that says, I don't know, Wales, grooming, tight-fitting jeans, something like that? <laughs> spot on, mate, spot on. <laughs> <laughs> and Nicole Holiday has been the butt of all the jokes over her Arsenal affiliation all season. But mm. today... It's all change. Arsenal fans, I take it, happy or concerned about Jose's new job? Well, I think Arsenal fans are currently debating whether Poch might might come and join us. So uh, that's been quite an interesting one on social media. Can't see it myself. But nope. anyway, uh, it is a big weekend of Premier League action. The football is back and so is Jose Mourinho. is inside the crystal palace box places in low it's in Alera scored West Ham United are in front ball play board it's Llorente flick round the corner oh Lucas Moura he's done it he has done it he's won it Lucas Moura's got a hat-trick Tottenham have done it with the last kick of the game it is the most extraordinary climax you can ever wish to see Yarmolenko plays an excellent ball in field here is Snodgrass clean through and West Ham United have the lead Jack Greenish, but he's dispossessed fairly by Lamello, who has a shot. It might come here for Harry Kane! Five minutes left to play. It's Tottenham Hotspur 2, Aston Villa 1.
live on game day at 12.30 this Saturday lunchtime. It is West Ham United against Jose Mourinho's Tottenham Hotspur. Now, guys, help me out here. Daniel Levy has spent six years building a culture at Spurs. Forget the fact that they haven't won a trophy. He's seen them achieve more, Maurizio Pochettino, than at any other time in their recent history. They've sacked Poch, replaced him with an agitator whose only cultural creed is to build a siege mentality, thereby dismantling all that work with one big £12 million compensation check. Now, look, Jose is a winner. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. And it had gone stale at Spurs. No doubt about that either. And he'll probably win something. There's probably no doubt about that. But is this the right move, or does it, Danny, highlight the fact that the pressure on Daniel Levy to deliver success and trophies now must be immense? Um, yeah, I think, obviously, Tottenham not getting over the line with that Champions League victory, obviously, in the summer. I think that was a, a big moment for Tottenham, a chance for them to kind of progress um, and maybe create a different kind of mentality at the club. And it just seems like it's kind of gone the other way this season. I think they seem to have lost their way, uh, their team spirit, which I think was very strong in the last couple of seasons. I think Pochettino had uh, built a really good dress room. Um, obviously, all the, the talk about uh, players' contracts running down and stuff, I I just think it's gone very stale there. And I think the manager included. I think you know, he, he hasn't been happy with stuff this season. Um, the players don't look happy. They don't look together on the pitch. So I think, I think it got to a point where Daniel Levy had to do something. I've got to say, I'm quite shocked that the timing of it, I thought, you know, if you're going to do that, it would have probably would been done just before international duty, but maybe trying to get Mourinho over the line with negotiations, maybe that's just how it's kind of fallen. But I do think something needed to be done because it, you know, it just doesn't look right there. And, you know, this is obviously with Mourinho coming in so quickly as well, this has probably been something that's been going on for, you know, a couple of weeks. I'm sure they've been in talks for a couple of weeks to get it done so quickly. So, you know, Tottenham have acted. I, I think Daniel Levy generally gives his, his managers, you know, plenty of time. And you have to say, you know, Poch has done a fantastic job in the, for the period of time that he's been there. But I do think it has kind of run its course for whatever reason. Jose Mourinho going into Tottenham. Daniel, can you imagine in 12 months' time, <laughs> Daniel Levy and Jose Mourinho sitting down to plan their transfer well, strategy in the January transfer window next year? I mean, it's not going to be a glass of red wine or a bit of kayak rafting in Argentina <laughs> like he was with Maurizio Pochettino. These two are not going to get on. This is oil and water stuff, this, isn't it? Well, I don't know, because obviously, I mean, I read earlier that Levy's wanted him at the club for a while, for a few years. I think it's it's very strange, isn't it? And also, we all know with Mourinho that he, he needs money. And that's something that Spurs have never really been quick to give. That's been one of their problems. What, you think he's going to end up on the dole queue or something? Or, or he needs money to spend? What, <laughs> he need, what, what he needs money he needs to spend, money? Sam. Um, but then again, they must have discussed this. We don't know what's been said, but they've obviously come to an agreement where Mourinho uh, thinks that he'll be getting what he needs and the support he needs from Levy. But I don't know. It's such a tough one because it has been very stale. We all know that. And I think, in a way, the Champions League final kind of sugarcoated a pretty poor end to the latter part of th that last season as well. But he has been great. I mean, Champions League final, top four for the past, what, four years as well? So I think it's, it's quite harsh 
but then I think everyone kind of understands. I think what's hit Spurs fans the most is that he's very likeable. And I think they all have a very soft spot for Pochettino. And when you're then getting someone like Jose Mourinho coming in, who's uh, quite a different character, that's going to be very interesting. And how are the players going to react to that as well? Um, also, the Amazon documentary is going to be fascinating now, isn't it? Call me cynical, but could this all be because of the fact that Daniel Levy is trying to tie down good players who are coming to the end of their contracts? We all know who they are, Jan Vertonghen, and Eriksen, mm-hmm. Alderweireld, more of them. And what he's doing is he's basically saying, I'm showing you the, the ambition of this club. I'm trying to win trophies here. You can win trophies here. Sign on the dotted line. And ultimately, that is going to save him a lot more money than paying out £12.5 million if it was that much to Maurizio Pochettino in compensation for ripping up his contract, Danny. I think it's a difficult one because, you know, from what you hear, kind of Pochettino had final say on all transfers and stuff like that. So, you know, knowing Daniel Levy, if he wanted to have sold those kind of players and and got some money in, then, you know, he would have done it. So it it might be a little bit different where players would look at him and, and say, you know, almost like how players look at Pep and say, you know, I can learn from this guy, what a fantastic manager he is. You know, everybody had great things to say about him. So maybe... You know, three, four years ago, yes, but you know the Mourinho that we've seen kind of at, at Manchester United, he, he doesn't look the same person. So I, I'm actually, I don't think that players will think any different now. You know, Ericsson, I can't see him thinking, "I'll oh, sell. I'm going to sign a new contract because Mourinho's here." I think nothing will change there. Um, I think the question is, will we get a different Mourinho now coming into Tottenham? Mm. You know, he's had a lot of time to maybe look at himself and say, look at a few things maybe said and and, and did wrong. Um, in previous jobs and I'm just wondering um, with his persona style of play even as well will he come back now revamped refreshed and with with new ideas that's that's the, that's the big question for me yeah it could be really interesting because he has had this time to self-analyze it will and, be really interesting yeah there's no doubt about that's, that. that's definitely be. the word um yeah he has had time away so maybe things will be a bit different maybe he'll be a bit of a new character from what we've seen before but I don't know. I, I, can, I don't he, know. can he do that? Yeah, he's Boy. just a, a controversial guy, isn't he? But then I'm quite happy to see him back in the sense of having that sort of character. And I don't know, it'll be it'll be uh, interesting. He's great. He's brilliant. He's a genius. Yeah. He's done fantastic things. I think if you look at Manchester United, even now, you're looking at where they are in the league and how mm-hmm. they've done over, since he's left. Okay, you, you know, you can moan all you like about the way he behaved, especially towards the end. But he got them to second in the league. They won the Europa League and the FA Cup under Jose Mourinho. That's the kind of success that right now, I think most Manchester United fans would bite your arm off. And when he said he was a genius for doing that, do you know what? In retrospect, everyone's looking at it now going, do you know, you might have been right, pal. And Maurizio Pochettino is not uh, walking away from Spurs with an unblemished reputation. Was he going to leave after the Champions League final? Did he feel as if they were getting enough investment? Was he the head coach? Was he the manager? It yeah. wasn't the right way to play it. You know, you could tell that it was coming to an end. And ultimately, they haven't won away from home in any domestic competition since January. Awful. And it doesn't matter who you are, that isn't good enough. Yeah, that is so bad. That's the thing. I think you kind of, because everyone clings on to the Champions League final and you do end up forgetting that actually away from home, it's been awful. It really has. It's been very, very poor. Mm. But it's been worse than Arsenal. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, making guys. Arsenal's away form look amazing. I know, I know. And 
you know, look, something needed to change, obviously, and I think Spurs fans would also agree with that. Um, so it is quite interesting then how how sort of badly they've reacted in the sense mm. of, you know, all my friends are Spurs fans, obviously straight away I was messaging them all, how are you feeling? And they are, are all gutted, um, which is also a bit of a surprise because the run of form has not been great. So, you know, something had to give. So what was it going to be? But, you know, Jose, yeah, it's going to be yeah, controversial. Quickly, Danny, let's talk about West Ham United because they have been nothing short of useless in the last few matches. Oof. And the last thing that Manuel Pellegrini would have wanted is to hear that Jose Mourinho is going to turn up and park his tanks on his mm. lawn on Saturday. It's, it's difficult to talk quickly about West Ham. <laughs> to be honest, there's, there's so much wrong with them. Um, I mean, I was at the Newcastle game a, a couple of weeks back and they were... They were woeful. It could have been six or seven. Um, and, you know, this was a Newcastle team that had been struggling for goals, um, struggling away from home and stuff. And, and I mean, they looked like Barcelona the way they were playing and, you know, went to Burnley just for the international break. And you kind of knew what was going to happen. You know, when I saw the scoreline after the game, 3-0, I said to myself, I bet, like, at least two of those goals will be from crosses or set pieces. And you knew exactly what Burnley were going to do to them. They were going to target Roberto, the keeper, who mm-hmm. um, it's being nice calling him a keeper at the minute, to be honest. Oh, he, a he, errors, he, yeah. he has been a, a big problem, obviously, with Fabianski being injured. But a lot of people have been targeting the blame on him. And, it, and it's more than that. You know, you look at the back four in front of him, uh, the way they've been defending, and the real lack of kind of leadership, the desire to d- defend their own goal. Um, and even in four positions as well, they, they don't look like scoring at them in it either. I mean, the creative players they that they've got... Like scoring, despite the fact they've got Anderson, Allaire, exactly. Fornells. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. creative... Yamalenka, they've got creative yeah. players. Lanzini yeah. had to be dropped because he hasn't been contributing enough to the team. They've got creative players, but they don't create enough chances and they don't score enough chances as well. Yeah, I, th- I think mobility, athleticism is a big problem in their team. I think if you look at those attacking players, which you mentioned there, Sam, they're all quite similar you know, kind of number 10 players. Um, I think Mikel Antonio is a, is a massive miss for them being injured because he just adds yes. that different kind of dimension, that counter-attacking pace. You, you look at Felipe Anderson, I don't know what's happened to him. Um, they don't seem to be getting him in the right ears of the pitch and using his pace. Um, the tempo of their play is too slow. They play in front of teams too much and they find it very difficult to kind of break teams down. And they're not counter-attacking and they're not getting in behind teams, which is very important, as you know, in the Premier League. So... They're getting it wrong at both ends for me. Um, short in midfield. I thought they should have signed another midfielder in the summer. They didn't do that. As you mentioned there, Mark Noble um, coming towards the end. Declan's probably not going through the, the best of times at the minute as well, but he's having to play week in, week out because they can't really replace him. And I think you look at the manager um, above everything, Manuel Pellegrini just does not, for me, doesn't inspire those players at all. I look at his personality and... Um, you know, when you're in a difficult situation and you need maybe a, a few heads bashing together or a manager to say a few kind of choice words, he just doesn't mm. seem like that guy to me. So um, I, I'm really worried about West Ham at the minute. I really am. Too lower than Spurs. <laughs> mm, just saying. <laughs> OK, let's move on. Uh, Manchester City, Chelsea is our other game day encounter. 5.30. Now, you, this was supposed to be the big game of mm-hmm. the weekend. Maybe it still will be by the time we get uh, to Saturday. It's live on TalkSport and around the rest of the world on Premier League uh, Live. I'll be there with Stuart Pearce. Uh, Frank Lampard once played for Manchester City, but if he stops Pep Guardiola from winning on Saturday, Nicole, uh, then the title race is definitely over. That's it. We might as well pack our bags and go home. Yeah, it's, um, it is a massive game. For me, it's still the big one of 
obviously we're all going to be watching Jose Mourinho, but um, City and Chelsea are third and fourth joint on points at the moment in the league. Uh, Chelsea have had six consecutive wins and they're looking great under Frank Lampard. So I think it's a tough one because the, I mean, the loss uh, to Liverpool for City, that was, that was a big one because now every game is so, so crucial. And this is, this is going to be a tough one, I think. Um, both teams will really, really want that win. So it's uh, for me, it's still going to be the big one of the weekend. It's got to be. Uh, Pro City people will tell you, and quite rightly so, that the games between Tottenham and Manchester City, complete mismatch. They should have got all three points in that game. The game against Liverpool, they should have got something out of it uh, just before the international break. My view on that actually is, yes, they played very well, but only once they had gone behind quite considerably in that game and they got back into, they sort of got back into it and started to show signs of life. But I think they were shocked in the first half an hour of that match. Um, But Chelsea, the last time they went to the Etihad, thrashed 6-0 last season when Maurizio Sarri was in charge. They were ripped apart. And it is going to be an open game because both these teams like to play open football. And Chelsea, let's be clear, they have to be a little bit careful, Danny, because defensively, they're still suspect. Um, They are. I think, for me, Chelsea are probably playing the best football in the league. And I mean, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. I I think they they were a joy to watch going forward. But as you say, Sam, I think defensively still weaknesses there, uh, particularly set pieces. Um, As you said, you look at this game and I think Man City have scored the most goals at home. Chelsea have scored the most goals away from home. So they get out in front and it seems then like the second half, they they almost run out of steam a little bit um, and allow the opposition back in and uh, to get a goal or two. But but their football's been outstanding. And, And looking at Frank coming in in the summer, that's what I had my eye on the most. What would he be like kind of tactically? I thought, you know, he'd be a good man manager going into Chelsea, knowing the club inside mm-hmm. out. But being an inexperienced manager, I thought, what will he be like tactically? How will he get Chelsea playing? And he's been nothing short of outstanding in that respect. But I think this is a good gauge for where Chelsea are now playing Man City. Because as I said, they've been in good run of form. Away from home, they've been very good as well. Um, looking for their eighth consecutive win, going to the Etihad. Um but they've had a good run of fixtures as well. So this is their first kind of real test yeah, that's worth on this out. on this good that run. So it's out. a good barometer to this game of seeing exactly where they are, I think. Because this is a team that have actually, you know, with all due respect, they've won seven in the away games in a row. But their best result and their standout result in that run is the victory in yeah. Amsterdam yeah. against Ajax. Apart from that, most of the opponents that they have played are teams you would expect Chelsea to beat. Um Aguero scored in the international break. He's netted eight goals in his last six games against Chelsea. Jesus missed a penalty for Brazil against Argentina mm. um, on Friday night. Why are you shaking your head for? Because it was just it was awful. But it was he'd, he'd missed one, one yeah, yeah, like the, a week or two weeks before, didn't he? He, he loves a penalty miss. Oof. He loves a penalty miss. Who would you start up front? If you go on goals, it has to be Aguero. Aguero. He, he loves playing mm. against Chelsea. His goals record I mean, recent games but, against but Chelsea. But Jesus is very good at making upsetting people and getting in people's faces. I mean, he calls defenders all sorts of issues because he, he is he's an absolute harasser, isn't he? Yeah. And Chelsea, you know, they like to play out from the back. They like to try and build the play from deep. So I just wonder whether or not actually against Chelsea he might be quite effective. Maybe, but Aguero is incredible. Mm. He is, I mean, of course, both very talented players. But if, if Aguero is in my team, he's, he's starting. I... You disagree? No, with I me. don't. I don't. It's hard. I, Are we about to hard. have a fight? No, no. It's hard not to not to agree. I mean, look, but there's so many talented players in that squad. But this is the thing with City is they do have that depth. That's that's one of their strongest 
points as a team. They have that depth in their squad. And I just, ah, Aguero, I just think for me, he's he's a different level personally. And yeah, for me, he would be starting. Uh, well, Chelsea's attack is pretty lively and everyone is chipping in. Abraham, as you mentioned, he's scored more away goals um, this season than 15 Premier League clubs. That's Amazing. pretty impressive. Amazing. Uh, Mount scored on his international duty, mm-hmm. so uh, his first ever England goal, so he'll be buoyed by that. Jorginho scored another Jorginho's penalty for Italy. Take note, Jesus. Yeah. This is how you do it. Uh, Pulisic and James are also playing very well, but can they outscore Manchester City? We'll find out this Saturday. And TalkSport is your place for game day three. Premier League commentaries back to back to back. Uh, West Ham against Tottenham kicks us off. Manchester City versus Chelsea finishes Saturday. On Sunday, it's Sheffield United against Manchester United. And here's Tom Rennie taking a look. Can the Blades cut another of the Premier League's big six down to size in Manchester United? They've already beaten Arsenal this season, should have picked up victory at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea, and they were so good in the controversial draw with Tottenham, it all but cost Maurizio Pochettino his job. Sheffield United are unbeaten in five Premier League matches. Victory here will be their best run of wins at home in the top flight since 1993. They'll have to do it without keeper Dean Henderson, however, who can't play against his parent club. For Manchester United, they are slowly but surely climbing the table. Back-to-back wins over Norwich and Brighton has seen the gloom lift at Old Trafford. And the youthful exuberance of their side is something to enjoy too. Against the Seagulls, United fielded the youngest starting eleven in the Premier League so far this season, with an average age of 23 years and 350 days. In fact, all of their Premier League goal scorers this season have been aged 23 and under, with Anthony Martial, their oldest scorer so far this season, still a few weeks shy of his 24th birthday. Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Now, does anyone remember the draw that lost Liverpool the title at Selhurst Park? Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Unfortunately. You know why? That's because that's you're negative, you. Yeah, you're negative. The fact is, Crystal Palace have lost six of their last seven Premier League matches with Liverpool, including the last four in a row. And win this, and by the time City kick off in that big match that we've got live on game day and around the world on Premier League Live, they will be 12 points 
ahead of Manchester City. Is that what is going to happen, Danny Gabadon? I certainly hope so, being a Liverpool fan myself. But, I mean, this is this is a tricky game. Uh, never easy going to Selhurst Park. Um, mm. As you say there, though, Sam, Liverpool's kind of record in, in, in recent games going there has been pretty good. Um, you know, I always worry for not just Liverpool, but you know, coming off the back of international duty, you never know how teams are kind of going to perform. Palace will be looking at, at that and thinking this might be an opportunity to catch Liverpool cold, albeit every single Liverpool player seemed to drop out of international duty. I think Van Dijk dropped out, Robertson dropped out, Salah did think, didn't go with Egypt, um, Gomez obviously dropped out, Henderson dropped out. So you would actually expect probably Liverpool to be quite fresh going into this game. But um, it's, a t- it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, I can't see Liverpool not getting the result. Um, obviously, Palace, the last couple of games, they've come up against stiff opposition. Um, you know, top three, four teams and, and weren't able to pick up any points. So uh, they'll be looking to get back to winning ways. But I, I can't see past Liverpool, and in particular, Sadio Mane, the form that he's in at the minute. I, I can't see them slipping up. You, you've got a foot in both camps. You're a Liverpool fan. And an ex-Palace player. Palace. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have thought that, though, so, from what I just said. Which <laughs> just, <laughs> heavily biased just, just towards tell Liverpool. Me what it's like, though. Because one of the things that I always find when I go to Selhurst Park, when they play the big teams, they create such a great atmosphere down there. It yeah. can be quite intimidating. Were you sort of aware of that, knowing that when the big boys come down, you thought, yeah, yeah, we can have you? Yeah, 100%. Um, you knew that you know, the big teams coming there, they wouldn't enjoy the uh, the stadium. Um, you know, it's old-fashioned. The, the fans are very close to the to the pitch. Um and you knew, like, if you kind of could start quick as well and get the home fans behind you and try and get the opposition on the back foot, then you'd have a good chance of, of maybe getting the result. Um, look, it's, it's what are the changing rooms like? They're slightly better now from when I was there. Um, because there wasn't a lot of money when I was there. To be fair, like going into a it is. It was, it was yeah. We go down the tunnel. Single it's file like going almost. Into like yeah. a, some, oh, it's awful. Yeah. It's so claustrophobic. You sort of start to panic a little bit, don't yeah. you? Well, when we actually got promotion uh, to the Premier League, um, that was when Steve Parrish started to uh, loosen the purse strings a little bit and started making slight improvements to the training ground and the stadium and stuff like that. Hot so, water and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, you know, a proper like stereo system in the home <laughs> dressing room and things like that. So, um, I mean, it's probably moved oh, on again now. Things. Yeah, well, you've got the music, it's got to be spot on. I, I was actually the DJ, actually. Were you? Room, yeah, I was in, in charge of the tunes. But, um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's slightly better now, but it's, it's, it's still a very intimidating place to go. Um, but, you know, as I said, the form Liverpool are kind of in at the minute. Um, yeah. Can't see them not getting a the result there. Uh, Nicole, Pallets uh, had a bright start, didn't they? Four without a, yeah. a, a win now, though. And um, it's sort of strange, really, because they, they set up well. Their shape is very good. If Liverpool take their eye off the ball, though, or start thinking about the Champions League game in midweek against mm-hmm. Napoli, then there is a chance, isn't there, that, that maybe Palace could throw a spanner in the works? I mean, there's al- there's always a chance, isn't there? But I was going to say that. They, they did have a good start to the season, but I think, like we've said, you know, they faced City, Arsenal, and I think Leicester and Chelsea yeah. in, in their last four games. So... You know, obviously it's not not obviously because you never know with football and that is the magic of it. But those fixtures were always going to be very tough to get some points from. Um, I don't think they're conceding much at no. home, actually, but then they're not scoring very much either. Um, so it's going to be, it will be an interesting one, but do, do I think that <laughs> they can nick anything? Oh, probably not. Liverpool are so good. Also, I want to see Ox starting. <laughs> what, do, what do we think about that? I think he's been so good scoring some amazing goals at the moment. 
I still think he's not quite there yet. I know he's been scoring goals, but I think all around performance, and I think he said it a couple of weeks ago as well, he still feels like he's not quite where he should be, mm-hmm. you know, defensive side of the game and things like that. He still, to me, looks a little bit... Shaky. Te- yeah, a little bit tentative. tentative. and mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not quite where he's at, but, but don't get me wrong, his goal-scoring form has been outstanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably masked a little bit his all-round performances, but but great to kind of see him and back. Great for Jurgen Klopp that he's getting minutes whilst he's going away on international duty as well, yeah. actually. It helps him in terms of match sharpness and stuff like that. If you were uh, putting some tracks on to build up to this game, what would you uh, <laughs> suggest in, in the dressing room um, this weekend? DJ, DJ. It'd be like some kind of deep house or something like that, yeah. House or a bit oh. of Drake or something. What, what does that sound like? Um, oh, bit Drake. Yeah, yeah. That's try and mix talking, it up, though, Drake, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he does try and sing a little bit as well, doesn't he? But um, try and just cater for the masses, for everybody, a little bit of everything. But um, Palace will be a difficult nut to crack. You know, Chelsea struggled a couple of weeks ago. They got over the line in the end, but it took them. They had to be really patient. Um, and you never like playing Palace if you're a top six side or whatever, because you know they're just going to sit back. They're a counter-attacking team, even though they, you know, they're playing at home. They don't change this style of play, and um, you know, an early goal can be important against them to make them kind of come out and the spaces open up. So it won't be an easy game. Won't be an easy game at all for for Liverpool. Okay, let's get to Vicarage Road, where we've got the uh, footballing equivalent of a, a bit of folk against some hard rock. Watford against Burnley. Here's Tom Rennie. Finally, some good news at Watford. No, the long-running saga of their new crest fan vote hasn't been resolved. Will it be the Heart or the Hornet? Stay tuned for an announcement soon. No, they actually won a game before the international break. Yes, it was against a truly not ready for this league, Norwich, but it doesn't matter. Kike Sanchez-Flores finally has something to celebrate since his return to the club. Despite the cautious optimism, they remain winless in 10 home games in the league, so the return of Troy Deeney, an unused sub at Carrow Road, could be a timely boost. Burnley battered the hapless Hammers to end their recent slide before the international break with the deadly duo of Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood both signing contracts and scoring goals. And look out for Dwight McNeil in this one too. He's already picked up four assists this campaign and with those two up front to aim for, there will be more. Yeah, Watford-Burnley should be a fascinating game. Uh, Brighton against Leicester. Brighton, three straight wins at home, unbeaten since Saints won there in August. Let's dissect it and find out who could be the pivotal men during this encounter with Dream Team's Andrew Butler. Hello. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? It's, it feels like it's been an ages. Good. It does. And you remember when you told me last time you were in, we saw you and you'd been playing football and someone gave you a black eye? Yes, I do. I played at Wembley this week. Oh. I played on Wembley, the the big pitch, everything. I can't move now. I'm stiff as a board. Uh, but um, it was it was fantastic. How what did a great it go? experience. No one gave me a black eye. I did okay. Okay. We'll just say that. That's all. That, I, that, I could do no more than that. S- slightly. Uh, we slight, lost on penalties. Uh, oh, that's disappointing. Slightly less um, glamorous. I um, I got off the mark this season. Uh, Hackney Marshes at the weekend. Scored my first goal. Did you? So, oh. you know. I might not well have played done. at Wembley, but I, I did get my first. 
Talking of goals, the Premier League's top scorer has three goals in three games against Brighton. But um, Ricardo Pereira, that Ricardo Pereira of uh, Portugal and, and Leicester City, he must be picking up a few points. Yeah, he's doing fantastically well. 71 points so far this season. 3.8 million as well in the game. So definitely worth a, worth a shout. It's another man on the Leicester back line that I want to um, talk about, though. Uh, Chandler Sayunchu at 2.6 million in the game has been having a fantastic season he's been you know he's been a real revelation all the Leicester fans are, are kind of saying um, Harry who didn't need Maguire um, they call him Cags in the in the dressing room apparently because uh, no one knows how to Cags. say his first name but uh, do you know they also they also think he looks like Lord Farquhar of Shrek yes I can see, <laughs> I can see that I mean yeah Lord Farquhar it's is uh, isn't six foot one like uh, like Cags is but he's been having a brilliant season and uh, and his score on Dream Team reflects it as well fifty seven points and um, yeah a real a real bargain to be having. Uh, anyone in the Brighton team that we should be looking at? Well, I mentioned a few weeks ago about these, uh, the, the number of teams that haven't got a player with over 40 points so far uh, in Dream Team. Now, Brighton are still one of those clubs and they're one of three now. Brighton, Crystal Palace and Newcastle, only three clubs uh, who haven't got players of over 40 points. So it's quite slim pickings is what I'm saying. Um, Neil Mope is their top scorer with 34, but um, he's in the game at 2.5 million. Trossard, uh, Trossard is... Yeah. He's in the game at 2.6. He's got 23 points. He's not going to get you big points. I, I, I mean, Brighton have been doing superbly. I think we can all agree. But um, their, their performances haven't been um, kind of trans, transferring over to points in Dream Team so far this season. Okay, so basically they're playing well as a team, but there's no standout individuals. Correct. Correct. Bit like this podcast. Um, right, Everton against uh, Norwich. Uh, uh, Tiemo Puki has scored five goals since September the 14th, but all of them have been for Finland. Um, he's got eight Premier League games without a goal. Um, is that going to change this weekend? Well, I, I kind of hope so because I, I really, I mean, I, th I think we all enjoyed Puki kind of like kicking on from the Championship into the Premier League, and uh, and his, like you say, his early season form was was absolutely fantastic, and then. Since then, I mean, similarly with Norwich, kind of like if he doesn't play well, Norwich haven't really been winning. Uh, I, I, I fear for Norwich at the moment because obviously since that amazing result over Man City, they've not been um, in, in great shape at all. Um, Pukki's still their top scorer, 54 points in at 3.2 million. But um, I mean, he's, he's going for a real dry spell at the moment, but he did really enjoy his international break. I thought the, the, the scenes in Finland uh, when they qualified yeah. for, for the Euros next year was, was absolutely amazing to see um, I know that Norwich even sent over a, a, a team of people to sell Norwich merchandise with Puki as well in uh, was in a pop Finland up Norwich City store in <laughs> yeah. Finland as a result of it yeah and uh, great. I mean it's a great story actually isn't it I mean I mean Danny I mean look what do you think of Tiemo uh, Puki because he he did start the season so very very well and then ended up dropping off a little bit I mean is he is he going to be able to rekindle his form or is he finished no, I don't think he's finished. I, I rate him very highly. Um, I think his movement... No, he is definitely Finnish. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. sorry. We're on still, to sport. I'm still a bit worse for wear from, from last night. So, um, no, he's, um, I, I think he's a very good striker. Um, you give him service, he will score goals. His, his movement's um, excellent. But it's just Norwich are going for a really, really bad patch at the minute. Um, you know, conceding too many goals. And I think the chances that were being created from earlier in the season... 
um, have now dried up a little bit as well. But um, I mean, you have to see him when he's playing for Finland and stuff as well. And you know, he knows where the goal is, and you know, still a very confident striker. I mean, I just think he, he's just lacking a bit of service at this moment in time. So. Um, I did have actually have him in my fancy team. Oh, had and yeah, had actually had to yeah, take yeah. Him out. yeah, I had to take him oh. out. He was he was underperforming as you said, so um, I had to replace. You had him. to read him the right yeah, act. I did. Get out. I did. Oh, I had such high um, hopes for Pookie at the start mm. of the season, cheering him on. And then he did well. And then he's <laughs> and not then done he's so well. Off, yeah, <laughs> he's having a nightmare. Yeah. Um, there were lots of high hopes for Everton as well at the beginning of the campaign, but it certainly hasn't been a success. And after Norwich, they've got Leicester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester United and Arsenal in that order. They better win against Norwich. Otherwise, any relief that Silva got before the international break when they played Southampton will very soon disappear. Who can save him, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it's amazing their run of fixtures. They could genuinely be in the relegation zone by Christmas. And it's, um, it's quite a bizarre thing to think that Everton could be in, in that bad a way. Um, but a man that you probably should get in before Christmas as well is Richarlison. Now, his form um, at the back end of last season uh, was not the best, it's fair to say. Um, before January last year, he got nine goals and two assists. This uh, And then after after January, he got four goals, no assists. So he might be a, a, a kind of a top-heavy player in terms of like the start of the season. So far, he's only got three goals and two assists, which is yeah, is reasonable. But um, he's in the game at 3.5 million. He's only been picked by 2.8% of uh, teams as well. So he's a, decent, he's a decent gamble, I suppose. But I don't know if you really want to be gambling on any Everton players at no. this stage in the game. They haven't got any forwards either, have they? I mean, it's been an absolute nightmare for them at the start of the season when they had relatively easy fixtures. Uh, listen, thank you very much, Andrew. Appreciate you coming thank in. You, Sam. in to see us. Always good to see you. Uh, Monday night sees Aston Villa take on Newcastle United. It's the Steve Bruce derby. And here's Tom Rennie. Aston Villa's return to the Premier League is in danger of getting stuck in a bottom of the table quagmire. Three defeats on the spin, including in the derby against Wolverhampton Wanderers, have left the villains just outside the drop zone after 12 games. Injuries have hit them hard in that run, with doubts over Tom Heaton, Jack Grealish, Matt Target and others as we head towards Monday Night Football. Newcastle United have won their last two Premier League games and are looking to win three in a row for the first time since November 2018. It's a fine time then for Steve Bruce to return to the club that sacked him after a run of one win in nine championship games at the start of the 18-19 season, just days after a fan famously threw a cabbage at him in disgust. Bruce took the villains to the playoff final during his tenure and despite that loss to Fulham, history may look kinder on the job he did at Villa Park than emotional eyes allowed at the time. One big piece of injury news for the Magpies since their win over Bournemouth, Captain Jamal Lascelles is out until the new year with a knee injury. Two more clubs in peril. Saints have picked up one point from the last 21. That's one point in seven matches. Arsenal have won once in seven games. Nicole, oh. will we be taking uh, the mick out of you again on Monday morning? <laughs> or is this a gimme? Oh, I don't I don't know anymore, Sam. I say this look every at the time. Etched on your face. <laughs> well I mean, look, Southampton, they're not they're not doing well at all at the moment. They're 19th. You know, they lost 9-0 to Leicester, recently lost to Everton, who are also struggling. Um, so you would think, especially Arsenal being at home at Emirates Stadium, you would naturally be backing 
Arsenal. However, <laughs> this season so far, I just don't know. I mean, no, I, I, I am feeling quite confident. You've got to be against Southampton. No disrespect to them, but at the moment, they are having a very tough time. Um, but then everything that's gone on behind the scenes at Arsenal with Jacker with the captaincy, and I think it's a bit of a mess there as well. So... Hopefully the international break has done everyone good and we'll come out and give it a good shot and get three points and it will be magical. But do am I, you know, completely confident in that? No, probably not. Arsenal have not won a single league game convincingly this whole season. I mean, they've won four games out of 12 and somehow they're six in the league. You and I, Danny, did a podcast really early in the season and the Arsenal fans were getting really chirpy and they were like, see, this is going to yeah. be a brilliant season. Mm. We're going to win the league. We've won the first three games or something like that. And you said, careful, don't get carried <laughs> away just yet. You, who have you played? And, and it's turned out to be an absolutely perfect prediction because they have been at times so unreliable, it's untrue. I mean, he doesn't yeah. know what his best formation is. He played back three against Leicester City and they were so far second best, it was unreal. Um, I, I just do not know what the identity of this team is supposed to be. You know, you've got Pepe, I mean, sitting on the bench, 72 million quid's worth of player that has not delivered so far. I know players take time to fit into the Premier League, yeah. but it's taking too long, isn't it? He should be doing a lot better than he is, I think, with the time that he's had. Um, he's had time to bring players in. I mean, Pepe, for instance, why they didn't even need him. They had enough attacking players that they needed to... They needed to strengthen in the midfield area and, and, and centre-back area. They didn't do that. Well, they did, actually. They brought a, a centre-half and loaned him back for the 30-odd minutes, which I couldn't understand either. Um, the, the French boy, Salida yeah. or something, mm-hmm. is it? Mm-hmm. Um, made Salida. no sense to yeah, me whatsoever. Um, as you said there, Emery, he's, he's changing the system, changing the personnel. Every game doesn't know his best team. You know, defensively, you know, poor conceding goals. Um Obviously, you had the stuff with Xhaka going on as well with the captaincy. Um, it, it just seems that the players are not buying into what he is all about. I think Arsenal have a good squad and could be doing a lot better, probably if they had a manager who um, could get his ideas like across. Like Mauricio Pochettino, for yeah. And, well, yeah, someone like Poch might be a... Nicole, what do you think? Oh, I don't, do you know what? I knew at some point that this was going to be put to me this week. Um He's I not going to do that. Of he's course, not do of course that. he won't. But actually, he's he is a brilliant manager. Yeah, he would sort um, them out. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it would be very, very interesting. Obviously, I mean, what doing a Sol Campbell? It would be um, a bit, yeah. a bit strange. But yeah, yeah. no, I mean, I, I don't think you'd be able to go out in and around North London much. No, no, no. Um, Southampton are under un, under serious pressure. Ralph knows that uh, uh, after this will be their real test of their credentials though because they follow this game with Arsenal with matches with Watford and Norwich at home, then Newcastle away, then it's West Ham and Villa. Basically, if he doesn't get the most out of those fixtures, yeah. he's gone. Um, totally agree. Um, I was actually at the Everton game um, just before the international break and they were... Nothing short. They were woeful, woeful. Um, and again, a manager playing three at the back. Um, the system didn't work for me. All Everton did was they they sat on a three-quarter kind of press. They didn't press the centre-backs, so let them have the ball. And Southampton didn't know what to do. They couldn't play through Everton. They couldn't get the ball to their attacking players. Um, and the, the, within 15, 20 minutes, the crowd had kind of turned there. Um, they got themselves back in the game second half. But defensively, they are 
all over the place. And again, I could not understand their recruitment in the summer. They needed to buy a centre-back. Um, they went with what they had last season, Vestergaard, Bednarek, um, trying to play a back three. And I think it's 29 goals conceded now, most in the league, um, and 11 scored, which is one of the lowest in the league. So, um, you know, issues at both ends. So, Sam, as you say, the next three or four games now for... House and Hootle are massive and I really fear for Southampton because uh, they're not going to beat Arsenal on the weekend. No chance. No? no you, chance. You're confident. More no confident chance. than me. No chance. No. <laughs> Let's move on to Bournemouth versus Wolves quickly. Josh King out for probably two weeks. Eddie's not happy at all because Norway played him twice for 90 minutes over the international break even though they could not qualify. Why? Why would he do that? That's mad. And Josh King is a, is a rich source of goals especially at the moment for them, Nicole. I think this is going to be um, a very good game, very tight, because obviously Bournemouth ninth, Wolves eighth at the moment. Um, both doing very well. I love Eddie Howe. I think he's fantastic. I think he's a great manager, obviously. Because there's so many managers having issues so far this season, there's a lot of talk about him replacing other managers at other clubs. But I think that's, you know, a bit... He never goes, does he? No, he and, and also... He'll talk about it, but he never goes anywhere. And in a way, why would he? You know, he's very successful. Uh, I think he's doing a great job. Um, and you never know. The grass is always greener, isn't it? So you never mm. know what might happen mm. if he did go elsewhere. Um, I think Callum Wilson has been good. Um yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one. I don't know who Not I'm backing. Not scored enough recently, has he? No, five goals, I think, them, so I think. far yeah. this season. Um, yeah. But I think it's going to be a tight one. I don't know who mm. I would back in this they're, one. They're looking for back-to-back home wins, Bournemouth, isn't they? And I think I'd like to see Bournemouth this season just show a bit more consistency. They, mm. They're so patchy. You know, they'll go on a run of four or five games where they're good and then they'll just fall off a cliff for 10 games. And you, you just like to see but them... it's Bournemouth. Well... It is boring. Yeah, I know. I mean, this is basically a third division. I know it's team, amazing, and they're yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah. But you expect it's, more from yeah. them. I mean, but, I don't understand why someone didn't come around and say, Eddie Howe. By the way, you want to come to Tottenham? This is a mm. really good idea. Mm. We've got this great facilities. We've got this great stadium. You're a coach that builds for the yeah. future. You get your players behind you, and you play attractive football. Uh, talk about perfect fit. I just don't. I do not get it. Yeah, I don't he's get done it at all. An incredible job, you know, to get them established and. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about set pieces. It was a little bit of a surprise to me, that stat as well, Sam. But, but you look at that goal they scored at um, Newcastle, that innovative corner um, where yes. Wilson on the near post. And um, I think Eddie Howe's come out before and said, you know, they're very meticulous with their set pieces. They run through everything and at the back of the stand there in the Vitali, they go through all their set pieces on a match day and stuff. So maybe it's not as much a surprise as you would think. But um, I agree with Nicole. I think this will be a tight game because Wolves, I think, are seven and beaten. They're running into form now after their mm-hmm. their slow start to the season. Um, and Wolves, uh, if he defending set pieces, actually as well. So that's something that Bournemouth will be looking to take advantage of. But I think it's a key game for Bournemouth, obviously being a home game. And then you look at their fixtures coming up after this: Tottenham, Palace, Liverpool, and Chelsea. Ooh. Tough game, so I think Eddie will be targeting this game as a must-win. I think. Good luck to them. Uh, okay, it's time for this. Yes, the commentator's curse. Players that we're going to put the mockers on this week by giving a statistical reason as to why they should do very well in this round of matches. And I'm going to put the commentator's curse on Bournemouth's Callum Wilson because he's without a goal in five Premier League matches. Surely it's time to end that run with Josh King not available. Mm. The onus is in uh, on Callum Wilson's shoulders. 
Um, but he's only ever had a longer drought 18 months ago when he went 12 games without a goal. So surely, surely, it's about time that he scored and he's going to do it this weekend. What you got for me, Nicole? I am actually backing Arsenal. I'm going for a Bamiyang, um, <gasps> new captain. I know, shocker. Eight goals so far this season. And I do think Southampton are the sort of opponent that, you know, Arsenal want this weekend. Um, perfect chance for him to get a few goals. Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm going to back captain a Bamiyang. Aubameyang is your captain. I mean, it's it's just beggar's belief, doesn't it? I mean, he's hardly the most like, talkative character on the field of play. I saw them last Saturday, two Saturdays ago. He was the captain that day. I don't think he spoke to anybody. He just spent most of his time 15 <laughs> miles from everybody else on the left-hand side. I know. I mean, it's but, unreal. He's but not then you look at the squad. Who elected him? I know, but then you look at the squad and you go, who is who is a captain? Bellerin. Oh, but... Mm, Bellerin. Why, though? Everyone keeps saying and this. And he is fantastic, by the way. He is fantastic, by the way, Bellerin. I think he's a great right-back. They've got two great full-backs sure, as well. Sure, but he, he spends half his time injured. On, on, on that game against <laughs> no. Leicester. They had to play a game. They played a game on Wednesday night in the Europa League, which they didn't need to win, and they played Kieran Tierney. They went to Leicester, a game that they must win against a team that were vying with them for a place in the top four, and he leave Kieran Tierney out. I mean, honestly. Oh, Can't be a signing. He's absolutely That's comical. not his signing. That's not an Emery signing. That's why he's not buying into TNE. But he's TNA brilliant, TNE. He is. He is. He's but, great. He's so uh, anyway, great. Anyway, moving on. Let's go to Danny's <laughs> commentator's curse because we can't keep going on about <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, my commentator's curse is going to be uh, Jamie Vardy and this is exactly why. Um, he's outscored every player in the Premier League since Brendan Rodgers took over at Leicester City. Um, 23 games under Rodgers. He scored 20 goals and three assists. Top goal score, obviously, in the Premier League in a minute with 11 goals. He's got six goals in his last four games. Um, that's, well, his last return where he was scoring those kind of goals was 2015. Obviously, when he went on that uh, consecutive run of, of 11 uh, goals in 11 games or whatever it was. Um, if you like your fantasy league football, he's the top um, actually points getter in that as well, um, if you're into that. Um, obviously retired from international football so he's been in Dubai I'm sure Living with his dream. feet up so he's <laughs> going to be fresh ready to go um, and teams outside the top six he's averaging more than a goal a game against those kind of teams so there's no way he cannot score is there on the weekend and he's scored three in his last three against Brighton oh, I forgot there that there you one. go that just tops it off then. You had every other stand. And Brighton have never so, beaten them in the Premier League either. Leicester, there you go. So. Oh, there we go. Uh, Danny, Nicole, thank you very much. I've loved your company uh, throughout the course of the pod. Uh, we're back next week with Premier League uh, game day preview pod uh, hitting your iPod or your mobile phone or whatever you use to listen to your podcast at 5am every Thursday morning. If you want to subscribe, you can do so via iTunes, Acast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. Laura Woods and Adrian Durham will have the verdict for you over the weekend. On a Monday morning, you'll get the record book with Danny Kelly. See you next week. That was a game day Premier League preview show. A TalkSport exclusive podcast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. 
The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.